Hello and welcome to today's podcast from the Video Journal of Neurology. Video Neurology is an independent, open-access video journal that provides healthcare professionals with the latest news from global congresses through innovative digital media. Today we will be hearing from headache experts about the current state of pediatric migraine treatment, including challenges in pediatric research, pharmacological and non-pharmacological interventions available for patients, and the impact of anxiety and depressive symptoms in children with migraine. First up is Serena Orr of the University of Calgary in Alberta, Canada, who's going to share reflections on the current state of pediatric headache medicine and how to move forward as a field. In the past, most of what we've done is borrow from what is being done on the adult side of headache research. Um, and to kind of take an approach that's more investigator led rather than really engaging with key stakeholders like patients, families, policymakers, in order to determine what our priorities are for research and to do studies in a very patient, family, and stakeholder centered manner. And so, you know, then I went on to discuss how. I think we need to move forward in a different way in order to do better for our community. So first of all, children and adolescents with headache disorders are not exactly the same as adults with headache disorders for a variety of reasons um, that I went over, including possibly a bit of a different genetic loading for migraine. There's some research to suggest that younger onset of migraine, as an example, has higher genetic burden. We also know, and, and I, I'd like to joke that, uh, you know, my life has changed a lot since high school. I'm sure yours has as well. And so the child and the adolescent with a headache disorder or with any type of chronic pain lives in a very different context. There's impacts on the family. There's impacts on occupational planning. There's impacts on school performance. And so these are developmental considerations that we need to take into account from a social perspective. And then also biologically, we really don't know this, but I don't believe that a child and an adolescent with a headache disorder is exactly the same biologically as an adult and that there may be differences in the disease at different ages. And that isn't based on a lot of evidence, but some emerging evidence from basic science that there may be differences. And also just knowing how much the brain changes from infancy to adulthood and even into the late 20s, our brain is still developing. And so, you know, different brain-based diseases um, are likely different at different stages of development. And we haven't considered Considered that in our research in the past. And so um, then I kind of moved on to discuss where I think we can do better in the future. So one thing is, is trying to address the issues that we've had with recruitment to studies, in particular clinical trials, by engaging in more collaboration, working on, you know, having patient databases that are interested in, in participating in studies doing more basic science work and, you know, social context work to understand how headache disorders are different in the pediatric age group compared to adults so that then we can focus on interventions that are more tailored for them and, and how the disease may be different at that age. And also one other issue that I haven't touched on yet is that historically our studies have not been very diverse in terms of who gets enrolled into the studies. So we know that the majority, you know, it's been looked at on the adult side and migraine trials. The majority of the studies in adult migraine trials haven't reported on race or ethnicity, and those that have are 75 to 97% white. We also know based on general pediatric data um, that, for example, Hispanic children are underrepresented in pediatric studies and Black children are overrepresented. 
And in the migraine space that even getting a diagnosis, which will be required to participate in a trial is less likely if you're male or black, for example. So I think moving forward, we need to be aware that we haven't been enrolling representative samples of patients into our studies and trying to really put much more effort in to, to doing better and enrolling people that are representative of our patients, not only from an EDI perspective, but we also kind of discussed in a presentation how we cherry pick our research participants. We exclude those who have psychiatric disorders, suicidality. We exclude those sometimes with developmental brain malformations or those with daily or continuous headache patterns. And then don't, you know, not only are they excluded, but they just, we tend to not do trials in those populations. And so when you look at the exclusion criteria for the current, you know, migraine trials in the pediatric space, the majority of my patients would be excluded from them. And so we need to do better from an EDI representation perspective, but also just from a representation of, of what the patients who are seeing look like clinically from a disease perspective. Next up, Massimiliano Valeriani from the Hospital Bambino Gesù in Rome, Italy, will share his perspective on prescribing prophylactic drugs to children with migraine while reviewing the findings from the CHAMP study. We know that now we have uh, uh, special drugs uh, uh, for treatment of migraine uh, that are uh, the monoclonal antibodies. Uh, these drugs uh, are not available for children, but uh, even before uh, the era of meds uh, in adults, uh, nobody uh, has, uh, has ever discussed uh, the 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 possible role the possible utility of uh, the the oral uh, uh, treatments for migraine so instead uh, the the situation for children is different and uh, it has become different uh, um, from 2017 this is important date for uh, those who deal with uh, pediatric migraine because uh, uh, there was a publication in a, in a very important journal new england uh, uh, new england journal of medicine in this publication, in this article, uh, the results of a multicentric trial appeared. Uh, in this trial, it is a trial conducted in the US uh, and involving a large number of uh, children and adolescents with migraine. In this study, uh, the, the, the children were divided in three groups, basically. One group was treated uh, with topiramate, the other with amitriptyline, and the third group with placebo and uh, so the trial was stopped for futility uh, that means that uh, placebo was not inferior at all as compared to both topiramate and amitriptyline and we know that uh, topiramate and amitriptyline are two of the, the drugs considered as uh, more effective for treatment of migraine as from uh, that moment uh, people uh, began uh, began wondering whether uh, uh, prescribing a drug uh, to children with migraine was right or not uh, because of course drugs uh, can have uh, said effects uh, and uh, we 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 could not be so sure about uh, their uh, utility 
So this is uh, the reason of the title. Um, so my perspective, uh, um, I think uh, that uh, the results uh, um, published uh, in uh, in the study, which which is called the Champ study, uh, are very important for for several reasons. But but first of all, because they show uh, the how the placebo effect can be powerful in a pediatric age and this uh, can be um, can be a dis- disadvantage for uh, clinical trials of course but it's very useful uh, in the clinical routine because uh, in front of a child with migraine i always pray that uh, i can uh, i can use the placebo effect that's so the importance of placebo effect was well underlined by the study this is very important in my opinion on the other side, however, I think uh, that uh, the results of the CHAMP study have been always considered as a sort of, uh, let's say, a Bible. <laughs> because uh, um, instead, in my opinion, uh, there are some points, uh, uh, some points of weakness of this, uh, this study, which should be um, underlined. Um, so, for instance, uh, in the, in uh, this study, only children with episodic migraine were recruited, while uh, those with chronic migraine, who are usually uh, the most difficult to be treated, uh, were not uh, were not included. And uh, mm, so sometimes uh, it is uh, it is clear in clinical practice uh, that. Uh, we have a higher probability to have a success with a pharmacological treatment in children with a high frequency of migraineous attacks as compared to children with a low frequency of migraineous attacks. That can be um, a point of weakness. Uh, moreover, in a CHAMP trial, in CHAMP study, as, as well as in all other uh, clinical studies uh, um, investigating uh, the effect of drugs in uh, pediatric migraine. Uh, one important characteristic of migraine at, of this age has not been considered. And this characteristic uh, is uh, what we can define as uh, the seasonality of pediatric migraine. I mean, um, all doctors dealing with the children and adolescents with migraine know very well that uh, um, so the higher frequency, the highest frequency of attacks uh, occurs uh, in uh, during uh, the, 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 the winter months or to say better during uh, the months in which the, the the child attends the school, while in summer the situation improves because there is a, a, a release of the stress related to school, which has a, 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 an important fundamental role in determining the, the severity of migraine. Um, so uh, the treatment in the CHAMP study was uh, quite long, was uh, six months. Does it mean that sometime uh, the children uh, began the treatment during uh, the school and uh, the results were checked uh, in summer? Does, uh, there was a great chance to find an improvement, while on the contrary, in many cases, the treatment uh, could be 
could be started during the summer and the result checked during the 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 the, the, the school months and so this uh, this means that in this case uh, there was a great chance to find a worsening of migraine um so um finally um i think that uh, we 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 shouldn't stop considering uh, also um other studies before uh, before and after champs uh, with, with before and after champ study uh, which um, uh, however uh, demonstrated uh, in the the efficacy of uh, the, the the available drugs for treatment of migraine in children i mean amitriptyline topiramate propanolol uh, flunarizine at least concerning the the europe because in us uh, flunarizine is not approved by fda so um i think that uh, there is uh, still space for these drugs but it's true that uh, all uh, all of us i mean all of all, all doctors dealing with um, children with headache uh, wait uh, for um, monoclonal antibodies uh, to be approved also for uh, for uh, this age for pediatric age now, Dr. Valeriani will describe the challenges and unmet needs around the management of pediatric migraine and highlight the importance of considering psychological interventions for pediatric patients. In um, the management of uh, pediatric migraine, uh, there are still a lot of uh, unmet needs. So, um, um, yes. I, I I don't want to repeat the same things, but uh, of course uh, the the problem of treatment is uh, is very important because uh, if uh, as I told you uh, we should not abandon the old treatments, but it's true that the old treatments uh, are not satisfactory at all because uh, uh, we have uh, many children adolescents with uh, refractory uh, migraines. Uh, which do not respond to the available treatment. That's, uh, so I think uh, that, um, so what, what I, I would like to, um, what I would like to know in the future is uh, how to treat uh, the children with migraine, especially those who do not respond to, to, to the drugs we can use uh, at this moment. And so um, another important point uh, concerned uh, the psychological treatment, because uh, um, it is true um, that uh, uh, psychological factors have a, a, a key role in, um, in um, so in uh, determining uh, la, the, the the severity of migraine um not only the the, the stress related school is important but also other kinds of stress uh, maybe related to family or to histories of abuse um so uh in uh, in uh, in many cases in many children um the, the the pharmacological treatment must be added to a, a psychological therapy uh, but so the problem is that we do not have so many evidence uh, that um, 
psychological therapy can be effective. So, I mean, uh, in literature, uh, there are sufficient evidence, uh, there, there is sufficient evidence uh, in favor of uh, behavioral cognitive treatment, but not, uh, um, but we don't know, and we don't know anything about other types of psychotherapies. And uh, moreover, there is a uh, I must say, unfortunately, scarce culture among uh, psychologists uh, about uh, the problems uh, which can uh, uh, which can involve uh, a, a child with uh, with a migraine. I mean, uh, so um, it happens it happens uh, not so rarely uh, that when we send a child or an adolescent uh, to have a psychotherapy, uh, the psychologist. Uh, after um, so a couple of uh, of uh, visits uh, um, certificate that the child uh, is healthy uh, and so it does not need uh, psychotherapy but just because that that psychologist maybe uh, so cannot understand the problem of migraine and what uh, and how important the, the psychological factors can be um so uh, this is a very difficult question because uh, it's sure that uh, psychotherapy is important uh, but uh, it's very difficult to know how to um how our children uh, with migraine can have an uh, effective uh, psychotherapy and this um, the culture of uh, the the psychological treatment migraine should be should be should be spread uh, more especially among among the the psychologists i think Finally, Dr. Orr reviews a recent study on anxiety and depressive symptoms in pediatric patients with migraine. This was uh, a project that actually started three years ago and uh, that we took a while to do because it was bigger than anticipated and had to rerun our searches a few times. But the aim of this work was really to try to uh, threefold. So one was to try to understand if anxiety and depressive symptoms and disorders are associated with migraine in children and adolescents. That was the big number one objective. Second objective was to understand if a child who has migraine or an adolescent who has migraine is exposed to anxiety or depressive symptoms or disorders, does that change their headache-related prognosis? And then the third question was, is exposure to anxiety, depressive symptoms or disorders earlier in life associated with a higher risk of developing migraine later in the pediatric age group? And so what we did to try to answer these questions is a systematic review of the literature and meta-analyses. We ended up um, actually finding around 5,000 studies that we had to go through, which is why it took so long and we had to update our search a few times. Um, and then we narrowed it down to 405 studies after abstract screening to read full text. And in the end, we ended up with 80 studies, which is a pretty big systematic review meta-analysis to look at. Um, and 74 of those studies, part of the study at least addressed the first objective, which is does do anxiety and depressive symptoms and disorders, are they more prevalent or not in children and adolescents with migraine? 
And so we were able to meta-analyze, I believe it was 51 of those studies and the rest we just described um, because they didn't have enough data to come in, either published in the paper or even after contacting the authors. And what we found in those meta-analyses is that for sure, when you look at the whole body of literature put together, children and adolescents um, with migraine have a higher burden of both anxiety and depressive symptoms. So just at the symptom level, but also a higher burden of anxiety and depressive disorders. So crossing over that threshold where it's considered a disorder. And we actually found a moderate to large effect sizes for the symptom burden. So we found that anxiety symptoms had a large effect size as associated with migraine as compared to healthy controls and depressive symptoms had a moderate effect size. And then in terms of the odds of having an anxiety or depressive disorder, they were approximately double for each of those categories when comparing children and adolescents with migraine to healthy peers. So that was the main big takeaway from the study. When we looked at our second and third objectives to try to understand, well, okay, now if we look at whether having those symptoms or disorders predisposes to worse outcomes if you have migraine or predisposes to an in increased risk of migraine. It wasn't very clear because there were a lot less studies and they were all over the place. And so those questions are not yet answered. And I certainly don't want people to assume um, that we know that, for example, saying, well, you have anxiety or depressive symptoms. So that means your headache related outcomes will be worse. We don't know that um, yet. And so the big takeaway really for clinicians is that there is definitely, I think, now this high-level evidence to show that this patient population is at higher risk of anxiety and depressive symptoms and disorders, and we need to screen every patient with migraine who comes into clinic for this because that would alter the treatment plan. And we also really need to advocate for access to mental health services for the patients who need them. And I hope that this data will help to support that to show the need. Those were all the updates we had for you today. So thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast and if you found it useful, we would love if you could leave a review. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, you can subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app, including Spotify, Apple and Podbean. Finally, be sure to follow us on Twitter at VGeneurology to join in the conversation. You can also visit vgeneurology.com for the latest updates in the field. See you next time.